This is Big Sports Radio, SEC edition. Now with your hosts, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy. Here we go. We're going to tip off for, should we say, kickoff, I guess. We're not quite there yet. Not done with football season. Another week here on Big Sports Radio. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, Tony Cordero is our producer, keeping us in line, and uh, Josh Ewing, make sure we sound good. Hey, guys, lots to talk about. And, man, we have got some great interviews uh, coming up here in just a bit. Uh, in hour number two, Matt Randazzo talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, back in the rankings, despite all their offensive woes, uh, and they've got a shot now if they get a win against Illinois. Uh, of wrapping up the Big Ten West Division title the last uh, season we've got divisions, at least for now. Also, a bit later, we'll talk of the Penn State story. Um, for all the uh, the hype and all the talk, uh, the Nittany Lions right back where they started from. Um, still not a bad place to be, but we'll talk about maybe, you know, how long people are okay with James Franklin only winning 10 games uh, every year. Uh, <laughs> it's like the Chicago Bears and Lovey Smith, right? You know, oh, you're 10 and 6. Get out of here. Oh, whoops. 10 wins. We haven't seen that since then. Um, but guys, speaking of coaches, the big story, of course, this week, we're going to step, uh, you know, let's get first. By the time some of you hear this, there may be a decision on this. We do tape it ahead of time. But on Friday, um, there's the court case in Ann Arbor um, involving Jim Harbaugh. And he says, hey, I want to be there. Already a one game suspension, uh, two more to go. Um, but boy, this is a, this is a, one of these situations. I think we agree something had to be done. Um, but there's still some questions in terms of how the Big Ten went about it to sit him down for three games. Yeah, it's it's very interesting the way they went about it. It almost seemed like the Friday news dump, and we did it after the courts closed, so they couldn't do anything that day. Yeah, and, and now you're looking at you know the following Friday, and and it's almost it almost seems like they did it on intentionally. They, here's my take: is they did it so that then the commissioner can now say, "Look, I did something." But then the court's going to throw it out and, you know, make him go through all the due process and all the things. And so he's going to say, well, I tried. And so he keeps this guy's happy. Harbaugh still gets to coach. And so it's, I don't know, it's a weird, I think that's kind of where it is. But it's a, it isn't good for, it's not a good look for the conference. None of this stuff is, right? The sign stealing, all this stuff. It's just not good for the Big Ten. And at the end of the day, it's it's probably going to come down next week, Michigan and Ohio State. And I'm not... my personal opinion, if I don't want Michigan, if Ohio State does beat Michigan, I don't want them to say, well, Harbaugh wasn't on the sideline. That's why we, you won. You want them to have, you want them to win it outright and, and deserve it. So that's my take. Well, the bottom line is, is that suspension got us the best press conference <laughs> of the year, maybe of the millennia. <laughs> When Jim Harbaugh went on like 90 different subjects, you know, he is the wall that viruses shatter upon because he's so healthy. He doesn't like his quarterbacks to eat chicken because chickens are too nervous of animals. Um, so even if the the suspension fails, in some ways it's succeeded because there is no better interview than Jim Harbaugh. And he proved it again last Monday. Usually pretty milk toast, right? And oh, it was classic. <laughs> Here's my question, though, with the NCAA and moving at the speed of a turtle, um, that they might not, you know, look, the Kansas situation happened. What you know, 2005. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they finally came through. Don't you feel that there was some pressure from Big Ten coaches on that 
infamous conference call with Tony Petiti, the commissioner, to do something and not wait for that. It just it feels like they were like, look, do this now. We don't want to wait till 2026 to have a decision on this. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it was. They were like, you need to take care of something. There needs to be a punishment, and they put pressure on him to do this. And the, the problem is it wasn't just one or two Big Ten schools. It was like 12 Big Ten schools that were right. putting pressure on him to do right. something. And so that that's a different animal. And by next year, it'll be like 16 Big Ten schools putting pressure on him to do something. So, yeah, it's uh, but I think that's where it was. And so he felt like he had to do something um, to kind of appease them. Um, so uh, appeasement hasn't worked in history circles, though. So I don't know how that's going to work out. Yeah, I think in the end, this was probably the one thing that let me see that Petiti's still a little bit new at his job. Because if you're going to talk to football coaches about other football coaches, they find a way to get upset about, you know, the refs are trying to screw them over. The people on the other side of the stadium are trying to screw them over. You know, the you name it. And they've got a thousand excuses as to why they've lost a game other than coaching and i think sometimes to get those guys whipped up into a uh, you know into a fervor i think probably wasn't the best way to go about that i'm not saying that that i know the answer but i'm not certain i would have gotten 13 football coaches on the phone to talk to them about the 14th coach and and then you know they're going to whip it into a frenzy and then the the ad's sound like they did maybe not quite as intensely but very similar and it put additional pressure on Petiti that he probably didn't need. Yeah. By the way, on the field, it is a uh, Michigan number three in the college football rankings, uh, taking on Maryland uh, and Ohio state falling to number two in the rankings, Georgia back up to number one for the first time since the CFP rankings came out, Ohio state taking on Minnesota before those two Titans will meet in Ann Arbor next weekend. Uh, now. So from the coach who has his job to the coach who does not uh, outside the big 10, uh, Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M. Um, look, listen, uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. I mean, he, you know, yeah, yeah he's unemployed, but He's about to make a slow walk um, once a month out to the mailbox to collect a series of checks that's going to net him $77 million. Dr. Evil is uh, envious of this. Um, <laughs> so listen, we're going to talk about the reasons for this. Here's the athletic director, uh, Ross Bjork, making, um, talking about the reasons why he made this move now with two games left in the regular season. We'll talk about it on the other side. Here's the deal. You're either moving forward or you're stuck. We were stuck. And so I, I kind of used the analogy with, uh, with somebody earlier. You know how you're driving down the highway and it's a four-lane road and I drive fast, okay? <clears throat> I like, you know, 75 to 80. And somebody's in the left lane and they're going 55 and they won't move over. We were that car going 55. Something had to give. They had to get out of the way. So we had to move this program forward. And, and here's the thing. I got back from the Ole Miss game. And we're a football family. So we're sitting on the back porch. And I'm making, why? Why is this not working? What is the problem? What do Aggies think? Do we have any hope? Where do we go? And so I called, uh, I called President Welsh Sunday night, and I said, we need to meet on Monday. We need to have a plan. The plan needs to be executed efficiently, but also knew that we had conversations this week. There are regent meetings. Of course, the regents were informed of my recommendation to the president. And so the timing of all of that 
played into it. And then I thought if we were going to have an interim coach that this week is going to be a little, it's going to, it's going to be a little wild, right? The players are going to be emotional that we could prepare for this game based on the opponent. And then you go and try to beat LSU, you know, the last game of the year and create some momentum. So again, not ideal, but also not unique in the modern day of college football, especially given transfer portal world signing day and all those dynamics that, that played into it. Front row, right. Olin, and then we'll go Sam. Uh, yeah, Ross. So first of all, to be clear, um, the Ole Miss loss was kind of the uh, last straw thing. Kind of it's, to- it's totality, Olin. It really is. It's You can't say it's one game because then what happens after last night, right? We had fun, right? We won by whatever, 41 points, right? So it's totality of how the program operates on a day-to-day basis. Something was not working to reach our full potential. So it's not one game. It's not one moment. It's not one win, one loss. But again, the timing of that game and the timing of things that were coming down the track, to me, we had to move this past week. So I kind of look at this like, you, once you realize you don't think you have the right guy, I totally agree with making the move. If this isn't your guy, make the move. You you know this is your guy. The problem is, is the $77 million you just spent, oh, you're going to pay out over the next few years. I talked to one high major college basketball coach this week, and he told me, you know what I would do if I had a $77 million buyout? I'd try and get fired. So I mean, this is uh, this is like uh, yeah, maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's it. Jimbo said, "Screw this! I got seventy-seven million reasons to get fired and go live on the beach." Well, and and the fact that there's no offset is amazing. So Jimbo could go sign somewhere else, and I think his coaching is, style is pretty clear. He needs he needs overwhelming talent advantage, which he can get with his recruiting but he won't be able to ever get that in the Big Ten or the SEC. So maybe you arrange a deal with Florida State where he goes back and, and they flip coaches. I mean, there, there's there's got to be a place he could go to, to you know, get the talent gap that he needs. And he's probably pretty good because his, re- his recruiting will get him, you know, a big-time quarterback and the line that he needs. But he isn't going to have that overwhelming force when you have Alabama and LSU and Georgia in the same conference. Yeah, I don't know about you though. I'm with Brad. I right now, I, I'm already in Maui searching for property to, to just go <laughs> buy. And you know what? What golf club do I, do I want me to buy into and become part owner? I mean, you know that's that's kind of where I am. I, would you? Why would buy you one golf? Again? Why buy one golf course, Larry? When you can buy two or three. <laughs> Exactly. You can have some beachfront property and a these golf coaches, course. These coaches <laughs> always believe in their skill set being bigger than and better than anybody else. And they're really, really competitive people, which is why they elevated to that level. We'll see if he can walk away from it or not. I mean, Bill Cowher obviously could. You know, he walked away in broadcasting, but um, maybe Jimbo do the same thing. Get a radio show like Mike Leach did and get on some broadcasts and make your he, money that way. He's not as entertaining as Mike Leach was. That's nobody, so God rest him, nobody was as entertaining as Mike <laughs> this, Leach this was. This is true. Uh, amazing thing is Jimbo, by the way, only 58 years old. Kind of looked older. I would have I would have lost that bet. Yeah. 60 plus. Um, 
Jeez, so, Larry, that's really rough. Well, no, I mean, I'm just honest, you know, from a guy with the, you know, from Mr. Dorian Gray here, uh, you know, yeah, he's been, around, he's been around a long time though. You know what yeah, I mean? I, I think has. you look at him yeah. and say, that dude's been coaching for a long time. Remember yes. Florida state and before yeah. and so forth. So, yeah. Listen, doesn't matter what he looks like. He's got $77 million coming in some big chunks. He's got so approximately he's got a 70. lot more attractive, didn't he? He did. Yeah. <laughs> he's got he's got approximately seventy-eight more million dollars than I do. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it's, you know, that's right. It is. Listen, Pat Dempsey? No, 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 no. Jimbo Fisher just became the sexiest man alive. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and uh, Pat. Hey, that's right. That's right, Pat. Yeah, maybe, maybe Mr. Dreamy. Sorry. Uh they're dreaming us. Maybe next year. Right yeah, maybe next year. Hey, I do want to get in before we hit a break on the other side. Um, and, and it, we'll talk more about this uh, later on in terms of the reasons why. Again, you've got to do this now because again, you've got you know, the rules have changed. You've got you know transfer portal, you got you know all the NIL stuff, you've got the early signing dates. So you got to make this move now. Uh, not just there, Mississippi State firing their coach. How about two teams? playing each other on Saturday and both those schools firing their coaches in the next 36 hours, Texas yeah, State yeah. on Sunday and the Mississippi state on the other side, Northwestern making their interim coach, David Braun, the permanent head coach. One of the great stories, he won't get it, but he should be coach of the year. We thought this team would win oh. one and they're, they're probably headed to a bowl. They haven't won any games. I mean, like the last couple of years, they won more games this year, the last two years combined. So that's, yeah. It's been impressive, and he's done a great job. I the one thing I will say is those two, firing those two coaches should have been like only the winner or loser gets fired. You can't fire them both. Let, wait a week. Come on, man. You know, yeah. Texas A&M won fifty whatever fifty one to ten. The coach gets fired. At least they should wait one week. Wait one week. Let him lose again, and then fire him. Well, you know the other thing is the WWE has the loser leaves town match. But I've never seen it. We're both leaving match. You know, at the end of at, at the end of the match, the fans are like, "What? What the heck just happened here?" Hey, he has to leave, and they throw they throw stuff at him as he's going out the tunnel. That's a you're out of here. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. when you confuse Vince McMahon, it's not a good thing. No, twenty years from now, Jimbo will be at one of the many bars that he owns in Maui. At the end of the bar, saying, "I coached my team to a forty-one point win, and they fired me the next day." And the bartender's going to go, There's, some guy's going to go, this guy's really drunk. No, no, that's Jimbo Fisher. That really happened. <laughs> this is a true story. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> exactly. Fired him next day. All right, we've got to get going. We are just getting started. We are fired up. Glad you're here with us. Big Sports Radio continues. Much more after a break. Do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-816-4492. 800-816-4492. That's 800-816-4492. Hey, airline travelers, let's say you have a problem and you need to change or cancel an existing airline reservation. What do you do? Well, Skywatch is a free service that can help anyone with any airline reservation fix it. Whether you want to cancel it, change your dates, or add passengers, we can help fix your airline reservations so you get exactly what you need. We've updated our computer database and now have access to every airline around the globe. So now you can make one phone call, regardless of who booked your airline ticket, and we'll change it, cancel it, and fix it for you. We know the insider secrets to fixing reservations that the airline
airlines don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 800-413-7158. That's 800-413-7158. Well, we know who's going to be playing in the SEC title game. We know it's Georgia and Alabama in a couple weeks, but they have to clean, do some work cleaning up here. And so uh, Georgia has what's a, a, a stiff test when they have to go in to Tennessee, a Tennessee team that is hungry, as we're going to find out. Um, uh, but And th- they need this win. And for Georgia, yeah, you're got you're in the SEC title game, but they've got bigger fish to fry. They're looking to win a national title, a third, do a three-peat. Um, and this is, this is the game they have to win if they want that to happen. So let's hear from both coaches as we uh, head into this Georgia game at Tennessee. I think no matter what you do the previous week, uh, you got to put the game behind you. Uh, certainly, we understand the quality of the opponent that's, uh, that's coming to town this week. Um, you know, our guys understand, you know, who they are, what they're about, and, and the way that they're going to play and uh, be a great test for us. Man, they got really good players across, across the board. Um, you know, defensively, thick, strong, athletic, uh, up front. Um, they can run. Um, they cover extremely well on the back end. They don't miss tackles. Um, you see them in, in close quarters and in open space. Uh, they tackle extremely well. Uh, offensively, they got dynamic playmakers. Um, you know, a few of those guys are just getting back and, and getting truly healthy right now. Um, but the quarterback's playing extremely well, really efficient, been accurate. Um, you know, he's done a really nice job. Uh, you know, you got you got to find ways to run the ball. You can't sit there and think you're going to be able to just throw it every down and win a game. You got to win the line of scrimmage. The keys to winning on the road are the same as keys to winning at home. It's just more difficult. I mean, it doesn't change. The game doesn't change. You got to be able to uh, take a punch. You got to be able to take momentum uh, changes. Uh, but the people in the stands aren't playing in the game. So the, the the outside elements of all the undisciplined penalties and and all those things, we, we try really hard to avoid those when we go on the road because they're self-inflicted wounds sometimes. But that's the challenge. The challenge is win the line of scrimmage, uh, win the turnover battle, win the explosive battle. And uh, you do that by blocking and tackling people. Josh Heupel and Kirby Smart, both uh, you know, re- ready for this action here. Mike, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think this is one that as good as Tennessee is and as tough as it is to play up there in in Tennessee, I think this Georgia team has a renewed focus and I think they are going to win convincingly over a Tennessee team that that is will really help Georgia put a stamp on the on their number 1 rating. Doesn't Georgia eventually kind of have to have a a bad game? And, and, and I, I mean, I, and you'd think they would, right? I mean, three years in counting. Well, I know it's been a while, you know, and, and so I, I wonder if they, they got to have one eventually, I, but I'm still, I agree with you. I think Georgia's a better team. I think they're, they're, they're fired up. They're playing extremely well. Tennessee, I, I thought Heupel's comments are good. Like they take this as a challenge. This is an opportunity for them to kind of, and I don't want to say save their season, but kind of really turn a corner and, you know, they had a really good year last year, but now they could maybe, if they win this game, man, it's a great stepping stone to the future. So we've got Georgia, Tennessee battle, uh, 
for uh, some SEC bragging rights in this one. And, and Georgia obviously trying to win a third straight national title. Yeah, and Tennessee would like nothing else but to ruin a national title season because a loss here would mean that that uh, a loss to Alabama in the SEC championship would put a nail in the coffin of their chance to defend their three-time potential title, you know, two two defenses, I guess, two-time title defenders. And I got to think that this is something that Tennessee's focused on, but are they good enough to do it? That's the part that gets gets me because <laughs> we, we've talked about this, right, for weeks here, how we keep thinking Georgia's going to maybe struggle, and it, they just really haven't. Yeah, you know, outside of the first half of the Missouri game, I think Georgia's been pretty amazing so yeah um georgia's at tennessee it should be a fun one though um up there that we're gonna hear rocky top four hundred eleven thousand times in this one so and that's georgia, just the pregame brad yes before we start <laughs> <laughs> all right we're back more after this talking about the uh the sec coming up fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the chief sports network Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, JC and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports, JC Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast. And we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. You're listening to Big Sports Radio, SEC edition. Well, joining us now to talk more about this, uh, Tony Barnhart. We're really honored to have him back on the show, columnist for TMG College Sports, and has a new book coming out. We're going to talk about it here in a moment, uh, 19th of Green, and he'll explain what that's about. Tony, good to have you back on the show. Larry, good to be with you. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, uh, so there's a, there's a check being written right now uh, here in the next couple of weeks for eight figures. Unfortunately, my name and your name is not on this. Um, <laughs> did Did the... Jimbo Fisher, you know, everyone we had talked to kind of said, you know, Jimbo, um, you know, probably is going to last another year. No one's going to write that mm-hmm. that check. We were wrong. We were wrong. And I, I, I think what happened, just based on the people I've talked to, if you just get to a point. An athletic director told me a long time ago is if you know you want to let a guy go, don't put it off. Do it now. Do it. Do it today. Because hanging out that kind of news hanging out there i know everybody was sick of the story i know jimbo fisher was sick of the story that's all anybody talked about so i I was not totally surprised that they went ahead and did it and we all assumed that money would be a factor Uh, it's not it's not at texas a&m it's not (laughs) it makes me wonder if i'm going to be paying more at the gas pump since they were willing to pay that much money and we know where a lot of it comes from those uh, oil barons down here in uh, Texas uh, question for you is there's the infinite amount of NIL funds it seems at Texas A&M probably very similar to the Longhorns over at Texas uh, 
what who will that attract from a standpoint of candidates do you have a feel for for who might be the next or in the grouping of of gentlemen who'd like to be the next texas a&m coach well it, it you know it's going to be the usual suspects as 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 we say uh, in the movies i i've got to believe you're going to make a phone call to Dan Lanning at Oregon. He's coached in the SEC at two different places. Has done an incredible job uh, at Oregon. May get in the playoffs if things work out. Uh, I think you've got to give a call to Mike Elko, a former defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Guy's done a tremendous job at Duke, and who understand you. If you're going to Texas A&M, Texas A&M is one of those places where you better understand the culture when you go in there. And uh, so I think Mike Elko is a guy. It's going to be fascinating because we have learned in the Kirby Smart era. We have learned in the Nick Saban era. You know what? This ain't. This is not complicated. You got to hire the right coach. If you hire the right coach, you're going to be okay. If you hire the wrong coach, you're going to spend the next four or five years explaining how you thought this was the right coach, and he's not. So. <laughs> Uh, I think those are a, c- a couple of names. And, and as always, as always, people will come forward with this job and we'll go, oh, I can't believe that. I'm, I'm waiting on that one. The surprise can whoever it turns out to be. Yeah. You know, what it seems is we're talking with Tony Barnhart, a veteran uh, sports writer, again, columnist for TMG College Sports. You know, it seems like that. And, and you tell me what you've heard. When these things happen, these kinds of of uh, of, of firings and 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 decisions, it seems like that though AD already has a short list. Um, don't mm-hmm. you feel that probably with, through third parties, there are already conversations going on with half a dozen of their top candidates? No doubt, you've always got a short list. I've never spoken to an athletic director who didn't have a short list because you you don't want to start with a blank piece of paper, right? And so those and. And it's real easy to get in touch with uh, these coaches and their agents because Jimmy Sexton represents all of them. Right. So, <laughs> so, hey, Jimmy, you know the score. Well, let's go. And so it's, um, yeah, to answer your question, there is always the short, short list. And Texas A&M's got theirs. And the question I have is how much stock can you put in Dan Lanning's speech about not leaving Oregon and really was – said zero percent is yep. is that just your stock speech that that he, the coach has ready or yeah what is well, your as, as coach always says well it the story was the the statement was true when i made it okay <laughs> and then then all of a sudden things jump and you get a call from your agent and said hey you ain't gonna believe what they're offering okay uh so i think i think coaches are never ever 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 leaving until they do and that's yeah. that's that's just how the game is played. I remember Rick Pitino at the 97 Final Four, uh, the day before they take on Arizona and they ended up losing overtime. And then, of course, he left. But of course, there were the Celtics rumors you know, were rampant to the end, you know, for, for weeks. And that's just, that's Rick Pitino, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. Like he kind of enjoys it. And I'll never forget, he stood up there during his media availability, you know, before they took on uh, Lou Dolson, the Wildcats. And he had a great quote I've, I've used so many times. He said, It doesn't cost anybody anything to listen. Right, and I'm like, that's a that's a great way to put it. So, because we know you would get back in the NBA, we know, and of course, you know, within a few weeks, see, he was gone, and you know, the rest is history. But um, okay, so so here's one thing that was really unusual, and we were talking about this here um, ourselves before we began production. Um, have you ever seen a time when two teams played on Saturday 
and both schools in season and both schools fire their coaches within right. 48 hours. So Fisher's golf may and M they'd just beaten uh, Mississippi state 51 to 10, you know, the day before. And then following that Mississippi state fires their head coach right. in his season there. Well, the, the lesson there is, is, is a lesson we've known for a long time. And it's this, you, uh, you don't base a decision like this on one game, okay? They, Texas A&M knew before they even played on Saturday that they were going to make a change. The question is, get get that game behind you. But it, LSU did that several years ago. Remember, they're going to fire Les Miles right there on the spot, and then he walked off. He had a big win, walked off the field, and they decided to keep him. That is not the way. That's not the way you play it. I mean, if you're going if you're going to make a change, make a change. And so, yeah, the, yeah, they they fired their coaches, but uh, they had already made up their mind what they were going to do. How hard will it be for Mississippi State to fill that role compared to you know Texas A and M that has so many positives on it compared to what you know Mississippi State can offer? You no, know, you're dealing in two different, completely different universes. All right, uh, you know Texas A and M is a Power Five program that has national championship aspirations. Mississippi State is, they do a good job, but they're, they're not in that same, they're not on that same level. What Mississippi State has to do is find the right fit for them. Right? They're, they're, they're not going to hire somebody that, uh, they're not going to hire somebody that Texas A&M wants. Let's put it that way. And what what they do is, is they look around, and, and I've always believed at Mississippi State, you got to do things differently because you're not going to beat Alabama and LSU and Auburn and Texas A&M and Ole Miss, you're not going to beat those teams at their own game. So they've got to do something. And they had it in Will Rogers, a 4,000-yard pass. Mm-hmm. That's the way, to me, they got to go. So now you look at guys like Jamie Chadwell, who's at Liberty now, used to be a Coastal. Uh, that's the kind of coach they need to get. I want to shift gears and get to some other coaching news. Um, Michigan and the Jim Harbaugh situation – um, coming up, look, we know it's a part of athletics. It's a part of society to try to gain an edge. Um, and I think none of us believe that Michigan is the only team stealing signs, but they had someone who was really pretty cavalier and open about it. Um, your thoughts right now, what's going on? Did the big 10 make the right decision? Um, you know, by the time this is heard this weekend, we may have another decision out of the courts on Friday in Ann Arbor. What are your take on this situation? Well, I'm a big, I mean, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I raised one. Uh, I'm a big due process guy. I believe that, uh, you know, sh- these rules should be enforced. They should be enforced to the max. My problem was they went ahead and suspended him without having the hearing. And I I understand that was what the calendar was and all that. But I, I just, the, based on everything I've read and if it's all true, I have no problem with uh, suspending Jim Harbaugh. What I do have a problem with is not going through due process. Because if if, I was always told if they don't go through due process with you, they're probably not going to do it to the next person. So as difficult as that all would have been, I don't think you suspend him. First of all, you find a way to have that hearing last Friday before the game. You do that. I don't care if you have to move heaven and earth. But to spend a guy without going through that process and having a chance to, you know, I, I, just, I just think you have to do that. 
when it comes to this Michigan situation, how would, you know, obviously you're not a commissioner or anything, but how would you have looked at that in terms of trying to dispense justice? It's a very difficult thing to do because you want to be fair to the schools that were not involved in this and who have to play this. But uh, to me, as the commissioner, well, again, again, what I would have done is I would have had the hearing. And if I couldn't have the hearing, then he coaches the game, and then we'll have the hearing and do that. But I, I just think I, I know you got to be fair to everybody, but I think you have to be, be fair to everybody and not just the folks who were raising camp. My concern is that the coaches got on that conference call with Tony Petiti, the commissioner, and they raised so much cane that the commissioner felt like he, well, I got to do something, okay? And I just, that's not the way you do business. You go through the process and get it done. So ultimately, that's that's that was my feeling. And if, and if you can't have the hearing, guess what? You don't suspend it. And the coaches will just have to be mad. They're obviously going to have the hearing this week. And so hopefully it'll get resolved. And I have no problem with it one way or another. Uh, but man, what a mess. One question that I had, of course, is you've got a book coming out, The 19 of Green. And boy, I tell you, before, as we were doing some research for this, looks like an incredible book. Can you describe to people what they uh, could be looking for? Because if you're looking for a really inspiring read, I think the, <laughs> I think it. Uh, you've written one here that just fasc- is fascinating. Well, in the fall of 1970, the the state of Georgia and the federal government finally ruled that schools in the state of Georgia would be completely integrated. All right, not not partially integrated, not somewhat integrated, completely integrated. And so we knew that in the fall of 1970, we had we had a white school. Green County High School, we had a black school, Floyd T. Carey High School, and we knew in the fall of 1970 we would merge completely. What we didn't know is that at, when we merged, we assumed that we became a much larger school. We thought we'd have about 60 guys on our football team, and we were going to have a blast and win a, win a bunch of games. Well, after spring practice was over, we had 12 players. <laughs> we had 19 players, 12 whites, 7 blacks. And that was our football team. And but the st- the book is about the team, and how fifty years later, a bunch of us. Was, one of my best friends in the world is Charles Turner, the quarterback on that team. Charles is in, is in four different halls of fame, and he he came over from Floyd T. Carr to be our quarterback. And we are uh, he and I are still very very close. But it's about football. But it's about friendship. It's about the tension uh, of the time. Because I know this this will shock you guys, but in Georgia, there were people who weren't real crazy about the idea of black children and white children playing together. They didn't think that was a very good idea. And we had, and then going through that, and the, the best part about it is we we lost our first two, then won seven of our next eight to make the playoffs. And we feel strongly and feel the same way today that the success of that football team sort of bonded the community, galvanized it, and I think they, I think the community rallied behind us and. That's uh, that's a big part of this story. Tell me this. Um, I think a lot of people listening will know the movie. Remember the Titans in the 1970 yep. team, uh, T.C. Williams, uh, Alexandria, Virginia, um, that was made popular. But that also is the 
Disney version. If you read about that, there are a lot of liberties as Hollywood does taking from that. Right. What's how in your own experience, how was your experience um, when you watched that? How was it similar or dissimilar from uh, the Hollywood version of, of, of that, of, of that. Well, the, the biggest difference of course, is that Denzel Washington was not my coach. Uh, <laughs> uh the Much less handsome guy, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. The, it, it, the storylines are very, very similar. Uh, we had, we had moments. There's a, there's a chapter that says, uh, you know, it all was not sweetness and light and that we had some, we had some episodes at school. We knew we would, but uh, as I'm, I was told the football team made it a little less intense, but uh, it, it, the tension was real. And it was, it, and but the great thing is that we are going to have a, a gathering. We're going to have a celebration of that team uh, on December nine at green County high school in Greensboro, Georgia. We're going to celebrate that team, and uh, we're going to have a uh, hopefully a big old book signing there. And we're and a lot of people, a lot of classmates have asked me about the book, and so yeah, that's December nine at Greens County High School in Greensboro, Georgia. We'll have a celebration of the nineteen of Green. Uh, one question is, how hard was it to write that personal of a book when you're when you're talking about uh, such a tense subject, and then pulling from your own life? Oh, you know, it, there there were times when it was. Uh, I tell you, the toughest part of it all was reaching inside and 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 at tough moments. Uh, that 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 was part of it. The other thing was tracking down all the guys. Uh, Fifteen of us are still alive, and we were scattered all over the place. But with a lot of help from my teammate Charles Turner and a couple of teachers at Green County, I was able to track down all of the living players. And I interviewed them all, uh, uh, except for two. And COVID, COVID got in between that. So, but it, it was it was a it was a t- tough book to write, but it was also a fun book to write because you don't not many of us get a chance to relive that portion of our lives. And the great thing is the story starts back then, and it comes up to the present day when we'll have that celebration at Green County High School. Talking with Tony Barnhart here, columnist with TMG College Sports. He's got a new book out, 19th of Green. Um, I'm curious as well, when you began this project, um, maybe, you know, things weren't as they are now in society. Um, how important is it to, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of, you have to know where you came from to know where mm-hmm. you're going. Um, how is this book important now with some of the things that we're seeing uh, in the world and, and right here in our own country? I've heard that from a number of people said so the book is still it's very relevant to what is going on today. And yeah, and that there's a chapter called uh, lessons I learned about race. I mean, this this, this was a, a journey. Listen, I, I never had a black friend until I got into high school. Charles Turner, our quarterback, he and I grew up three miles apart, but I never met Charles until we were both seniors in high school and we merged. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it, it's very relevant today. Uh, one of the points I try to make as I'm wrapping it up in the epilogue is we've come a long way on the subject of race, but we, we still got a long way to go. Yeah. We and do. so hope, I hope what we've done with this book will help, um, open some eyes. And, uh, well, what, one last quick story I'll tell you. One of the things that Charles and I had a lot of sessions with Charles Turner whose father 
had what they call in the black community. What, what Charles told me is the talk. The talk is when you talk to your children about what it's like to be a black man or a black woman in this society. And when the police pull you over, here's what you do. And Charles, Charles told me tale after tale of his father telling him that story. And uh, I said, well, you know, Charles, my father never had that conversation with me because he didn't have to. And uh, that, that was a big lesson I learned. Sadly, that still exists. Um, I've had that with both of my children here in the mm-hmm. next century. Um, and they're both in college now. And, and it was a, it was one in, in our family. It, we knew we had to make it. So um, we've come a long way. But to your point, uh, we still have a ways to go. Tony Barnhart, columnist, TMG College Sports. And again, the book 19th of Green uh, is out now. Get that. Um, Amazon, all the bookstores. I know it's yep. out, right? And um, yep. tell us again your, your, uh, your website. People can find your great reporting. Uh, just go to si.com slash TMG. We're on the Sports Illustrated umbrella. Yeah. So, yeah, si.com slash TMG. Yeah, great stuff. Um, I enjoy reading every weekend and kind of see your takes. And, of course, reading you in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for so many years, uh, we know the quality of work is there. Tony, always great to have you uh, with us and hope we'll get a chance to talk with you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Once again, Tony Barnhart, columnist, TMG College Sports, and the book is 19th of Green. Be sure to check that out. We've got more to come after this. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828-800-448-0828-800-448-0828. That's 800-448-0828. You're listening to Big Sports Radio, SEC Edition. Uh, let's talk a little uh, college football playoff rankings, guys. A little change after uh, Ohio State at number one for every ranking that came out for the CFP. A change. Uh, Georgia getting the big one over Ole Miss, and they leapfrog. They switch spots. So now it's Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, and then Florida State. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, Georgia, had, that's a really good win against Ole Miss. And now they have that quality win that they maybe didn't have before. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because it is conceivable that you, you could have four undefeated teams and it could be really easy to pick those four undefeated teams. But where it gets crazy is if you end up with what's also conceivable is to get like seven one-loss teams vying for two or three spots, then what do you do? I mean, what if Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 title game? Florida State loses to Louisville in the ACC. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State, obviously one of them's going to win probably out. Well, the other one is going to have one loss. Alabama beats Georgia, and we have chaos. And you can't ask for any more than that. Chaos is great. Well, if, if if it goes that chaos route, Brad, then you're going to have the Ohio State-Michigan winner along with the Ohio State-Michigan loser, and then you'll also have the Alabama and Georgia, and you'll have the big four that everybody kind of expected. But if you get the the chaos version, you know, it, there'll be a lot of people who will be like, hey, let's just do the 12-team this year, and I will firmly be in their their corner, although we all know that can't happen. 
No, it's too bad because boy, this would be a great year for it. And we spent all season talking about how exciting that would be. Uh, a question for you, Michigan undefeated, all the, the stuff off the field that's happened. They're going to play Ohio State at home. If they lose that game at home, having played only one other ranked team the entire season, are they the team left out? Well, it's very possible. It depends what other people do, though. But I, I think that is possible. Um, on the other hand, if Ohio State loses a close game to Michigan, say a last second field goal, something like that. Do they 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 as a one loss team have a much better resume than a lot of teams because they've they've played a better schedule and they've got some quality wins. So, man, I don't know. This is uh, it, it's it's gonna be wild to see how this. I, I tell you, I think Oregon's better than Washington yeah. overall. Yeah, but Washington beat them. Right. But they may if they play again. I, I think Oregon wins. And so when that happens, they've split their two games. That is so hard to pick out. You know who gets that that bid. And what about Texas? They're behind both of them. But, you know, how do they move up? And then you have Texas-Alabama conundrum. If Alabama wins out, they have one loss, do they get in and have Texas, even though Texas beat them head-to-head? Yeah, and, and I, I think the biggest loser, I, I, I personally believe that that Michigan, they have to be able to win that game at Ohio State because I do think that the scandal surrounding them will prevent them from being picked if they have one loss. So I think you, you could probably take them out of the mix in all seriousness. If that happens, you know, Florida state and, and Washington control their fate a little bit nerve wracking, but they control their fate with the big zero sitting in the loss column. If they want to make it there, you know, that how they do it. And then it, it just gets crazy once a few teams lose and that's why college football is so exciting. What? So okay, Mike. Here's the here's the scenario. You've got three undefeated teams. Let's say Michigan, Florida State, and Washington win out, but Alabama beats Georgia, and Ooh. Michigan beats Ohio State. Yeah, then Alabama's going to go as the SEC. SEC champ. champ has to get in, right? I would. I would so think do so. Do you take? So you've got a two-time defending national champion sitting at home. Who's lost one, one game to a team that's probably playing as well as anybody in college football and they're sitting at home because other teams went undefeated and they have one loss. <laughs> that's why we're going to 12 games next year. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Well, and if I was Ohio state and Michigan, there's a part, there's a part of me in this new model. I would do that game like the second oh. weekend in September. Yeah. And then that you, happened, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Um, and that's and that's that's the thing though. I think with the SEC, um, we saw we saw Nick Saban uh, a few years ago lobby his way in, right? Sit on the side, you know, sitting as part of the CBS studio crew at yes. the SEC championship game as the third best team in the league, lobby his way in, and uh, you know now it'd be. I think it'd be it'd be tough to have two SEC tough. Not to put Georgia in in that scenario, but Brad, I agree with you. I don't think this, the the schedule doesn't doesn't match up to the schedule of strength, the strength of schedule. Um, but boy, this is to your point. This is why it's so much fun. And just think, we'll have these same kind of conversations next year. Just it'll be farther down the scale. What do you think about yeah. it? No, so, I, I agree. It, it'll be you'll be talking about who's twelfth, thirteenth. The difference is, I legit think Georgia is one of the best four teams in the country. The team at 12 and 13, I don't think are the best four teams in the country. Yeah. So in this case, I really think they are, but I probably don't think they deserve to get in if that if the other teams are undefeated and because of strength of schedule, even though I 
do think they're one of the best four. Uh, I agree with you in terms of a Pac-10 champ, a Washington or an Oregon with the schedule they each played. Tough to leave one of them out. All right. Hey, guess what? Clock on the wall says we're done. We're out of time. Boy, we had a busy, busy show. Thanks to everyone who came by, and we appreciate it. Thanks to you for listening. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We're right back here next week. I know it's it's turkey. I know. But Mike will eat the turkey, and once he wakes up, we'll do the show. All right. For Brad and Mike, I'm Larry. Take care. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. See you next week. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of Big Sports Radio SEC.